Hey guys, if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please know that help is available. Call our Trusted Addiction Treatment Helpline now at 833-999-1877. Addiction specialists are available to offer support 24-7. More information can be found on this week's episode description on your podcast app. Hey, welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. This show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Hey, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. Today, I have Chris on the show. What's up, dude? What's going on, man? Thanks for the invite. Yeah, yes. I don't know anything about you. My BFF, Carl, sponsors you. Yeah. And he he had told me, like, you got to get Chris on the podcast. And he told me that, like, you love the podcast. I do. You wanted to tell me a story. Yeah, I'm not from Florida originally. Okay. And then I came down here. I'm from Virginia, just outside D.C., Northern Virginia. Okay. And I came down here, and I discovered your podcast and i was mm-hmm. like oh that you know that's cool that's cool and carl didn't start sponsoring me so i already had a year so by the time i had brought it up to carl like hey have you heard this podcast he's like that's my best friend i was like mm-hmm. oh no that's that's you know interesting mm-hmm. so then my girlfriend texts me and she's like hey you should really check out this podcast i've been listening to it for a while mm-hmm. and i'm like all right well you know what is it and she goes hell has an exit and i go no way i was mm-hmm. like i know brian because i had met you by that point mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I know Brian. She goes, no, you don't. I go, no, like, I, I really <laughs> do. Um, she's been listening to your podcast since you first started. Wow. Uh, before she got clean. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and that's crazy. Now she lives down here. And when I told her that you had reached out to me, uh, she was thrilled, like, wow. through the roof, man. Like, How long has she been clean? She will have two years in early august hell yeah, no, yeah that's cool yeah and i just celebrated my two years back at the beginning of may wow so Sick. It's, it's been a a wild ride but mm-hmm. like i wouldn't trade it for anything man what are some things that you learned from the podcast or like things that stuck out to you because like i always see on the podcast like i had speaker tapes mm-hmm. i truly think like listening to speaker tapes with people with years and years clean was a game changer for me because it was just different than the people with three to four years in my local area. Like I was listening to people who had been around for 20, 30 years who were gifted at speaking. And it was like, I don't know, it just really perplexed me. It's like another way of thinking, you know? So for me, I think I'm almost like the exact opposite of that. When I first, like now I'd be able to listen to somebody with 20, mm-hmm. 30 years. And, and when I first got clean, like that was unreal to me. Mm-hmm. Like you have 20 years 20 years. Are you serious? Like, so for me, it was, I would listen to people that didn't have as much time. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I thought like, I can't get 20 years, but I can get six months. I yeah. can get a year, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, like, and plus you've had a lot of my friends on this show. Mm-hmm. You've had a lot of my friends, like Brad's been on, Crystal's yeah. been on, you know, and uh, it's really cool to see them. Also you had um, Jake the Snake. Yeah. And I'm a huge wrestling, wrestling fan. fan. Oh, huge cool. Huge wrestling Dude, fan. Dude, he was so awesome. Oh, my God. He like, was so cool. I, I, so down to earth. I put that podcast on or on at like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was late, like probably 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to fall asleep to it. 
I remember laying in my bed and just watching the whole mm-hmm. thing on YouTube, like with oh, that's cool. the video of both that's of you guys cool. and stuff. And I'm like, this man is like six feet away from Jake the Snake. Right now. <laughs> that is. Oh, dude, uh, I have all these autographed things I'll give you. What? I'll give you them. Yeah, he gave me like a whole stack. I don't know what to do with them. Are you serious? Yeah, I'll give you them. That now. would. Yeah, okay, yeah. hell yeah. That's yeah. awesome, man. He like signed a whole bunch and sent them to us. So that was so cool. Because his story is also just. Yeah, I saw his documentary with uh, DDP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, his documentary was so good. I just like it because it's like a real story because a lot of times when you watch like alcohol or addiction stories, they screw up a couple of times and they just get clean and it's like just A to B, you know, like that's <laughs> There's it. so much with His more. is just like you think he's going to get sober this time and then he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then like you think it's going to be this time and then he just doesn't. And then you start to realize like, oh, wow, this is a lot harder than than he thought. Yeah. But that's how it really is. It's not always like, you know, the light bulb just goes on. No, not at all. And then, bro, when he was, did you watch Peanut Butter Falcon? No. Oh, wow. So I don't want to ruin it for you, but he's. Check he, it out. Yeah, check it out. Check okay. It. Peanut Butter Falcon? Yeah, check all right. it out. The podcast is uh, definitely something that has grown like beyond like what I thought it would be. But it's cool, man. Like I hear stories like this all the time and, and people come up to me. There was this kid who uh, I was at this convention in Texas and I was walking by, and he looked at me, and he sat down. He like, why are you here? And I was like, what? He's like, <laughs> he had to sit down. He's like, why are you here? I was like, oh, just at the convention. And he's like, dude, you're the guy from Hell Has an Exit. I was like, yeah. And he's like, you don't even live here. I'm like, I'm, at, I'm here for the convention. And he was just like, bro. And he starts showing me on his phone. He's like, I listen to you every day. Like when he was using, he was listening to me. Dude, he's been clean over a year, probably like 18 months that's now. That's awesome. Yeah, my girlfriend and when was I'm, listening yeah. to him before, wow. like when she when was, he was using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cr- yeah, that's crazy to think about because like who the hell is listening to a recovery podcast? Hi, <laughs> but I'm sure. Hey, if you guys are out there, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's recovery is possible, and like mm-hmm. that's one thing I've really learned in the last last two years is because again, man, when I first got down here to Florida, I was this shit is not gonna work, you know. I've done a 12-step program before and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. Like, well, no, the truth of the matter is, is I didn't work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't try. I didn't want it. Yeah. It's like saying, oh, I've been to the gym before. People say that all the time. <laughs> oh, I've already been to rehab. It's, oh, I've already been to meetings. Yeah. Like, a lot of people don't realize that, like, you have to continuously work at it. You know, like you said, this isn't something like, mm-hmm. oh, I went, you know, and just, uh, yeah. whatever. Like, you, it, it takes effort and, you know, I dedicate a major part of my life every week to make sure I can get to a meeting, mm-hmm. talk to my sponsor, talk to my sponsees. Been slacking on step work a little bit recently, but. Yeah, man, I was talking to someone the other day and like, man, th- there's been times in my recovery where I had 10 plus years clean, business was struggling. I started like working out really heavy, working harder on my business, dealing with my relationships and like just feeling like things aren't working out or like something's just missing. And then I go to like a 10 o'clock meeting mm-hmm. and I sit down and we do the serenity prayer. And I'm like, this is what this is what this missing. is like. Yeah, dude. And it's like, I don't know. It's like meeting attendance. You don't realize how much meeting attendance affects you until you stop going and you start going again. Yeah, absolutely. like you don't think that it's affecting you when you've slipped up and gone to like one meeting a month for a couple months. I'm, I'm literally on the I'm coming out of that right mm-hmm. now. Uh, life gets full. You know, and like that's one of the beautiful things of of these twelve step programs is like it, it gives me an opportunity to do things that I th- never thought I would be able to do in life. You know, uh, I had recently gotten a house. Uh, my girlfriend moved Damn, down got here. A house? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's insane. I I'd never lived mm-hmm. on my own before. I always had 
15 roommates living mm-hmm. in a four bedroom house paying, you know, $300 a month in rent, but mm-hmm. all of us are high and it was a horrible living situation. You know, or I live with my mom or crash on a buddy's couch or, you know, there's a time where I was sleeping in my car for a little bit. Um, but like I got a house, my girlfriend and I stopped doing a long distance relationship. She came down here. Um, and then unfortunately my cousin passed away, but like I was able to show up for my family and fly up to Pennsylvania and be there at the funeral and, mm-hmm. and, and all that. And I, I had, I again was like, you know, I feel off. Something's, yeah. something's not right. Well, I haven't been to a meeting in three weeks, mm-hmm. like at not one, you know? Yeah. When I first got clean, I thought when people said that they were crazy because I was like, now you're addicted to meetings. Right. You know, like, and the reality is, is that it would be no different if I meditate every day and I stop meditating. It'd be no different as if I go to church every Sunday and I haven't been to church in a while. Yeah. Like no one says like, hey, bro, you know, you've been going to church once a week for a long time. You know, <laughs> Like maybe you should cut that out. But when you go to meetings, bro, a lot of people tell you like, you know, don't you think you're past that phase or whatever? You know, part of the, the podcast goal is like to change that narrative that like recovery is an ongoing process. And um, it's not just about not using. It's about like balancing your whole life, yeah. you know? I can't think like that because my sponsor has 17 years and goes to meetings regularly. Yeah, yeah. So I, how am I going to sit there and, and you know, talk to crazy. him? There is a time where he didn't go to meetings. Uh, he, he's yeah. told me. Yeah, yeah, dude, there was like, I think two years, like a year and a half or something, maybe even longer that he didn't go to meetings. Mm-hmm. And like a part of me was like, you know, should I have reached out to him more? Because like I would push him to go to meetings, but I try not to push him too much. And for him to come back to meetings was hard because people would make comments like, oh, you still go to meetings, you know, and like make comments to him like, oh, is this your one meeting or something? Like people make comments like that, you know, like when they haven't seen you in years. I know like they're half joking and like, you know, some of them might not mean anything. That shit can sting. But like, yeah, but like, you know, it kind of makes people not want to come back when people, you know. Mm -hmm. It is what it is, man. I mean, at the end of the day, like it's your personal recovery and it's your responsibility. Right. Absolutely. So let's hear your story, dude. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I'm originally from Virginia, Northern Virginia, just outside DC. The only Um, thing I know about Virginia is West Virginia. I am. And the wonderful whites. (laughs) I'm about 45 minutes from West Virginia. I've been to Charlestown to uh, gamble and do some other things Mm -hmm. a few times, but uh, Northern Virginia. So a lot of times when I tell people I'm from Virginia, I make sure to throw in Northern Virginia. It's different, right? It's way different. It's like a suburb of D.C. would okay. be the best way, to, easiest way mm-hmm. to describe it. How far from D.C.? I can be there in 30 minutes, no traffic, but there's okay. always traffic. traffic. Okay. So it takes like an hour, hour and a half. Okay. I'm right in the middle of D.C. or Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So I would go to both places to cop. But so growing up, uh, my parents divorced when I was two. How old are you now? I am 31. Okay, we're about the same age. I'm 31. Um, so my parents divorced when I was two. My mom just kind of had like a revolving door of boyfriends Mm -hmm. and they were all pretty shitty, been through all kinds of abuse, uh, mental, physical, verbal abuse. And like, because of that, at a real young age, I had to kind of learn to be two different people. When I was at home, it was basically, you know, speak when spoken to, kind of just fade into the background, don't stand out. Mm -hmm. So I would be quiet and reserved at home, spend a lot of time in my room playing video games and shit. Uh, then I got to school and I was like, well, I don't want to be that. I want to stand out. I want people to know who I am. So I was loud, boisterous, center of the atten- center of attention, so much so that I went by a different name. Like growing really? up, everybody called me by my last name. Okay. Everybody called me by my last name. Mm-hmm. I probably went like eight years without even hearing Chris mm-hmm. because it. I would spend so much time away from home. So like at a, at a young age, you know, I kind of like, 
put that mask on almost, you know, to try and blend in chameleon, whatever you want to call it. But I could fit in wherever I was and wherever I needed to. Now that I have a child, like I realized like my mom was doing the best she could with what she had. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there's no parenting manual. They, they don't hand out a book when your kid's born. <laughs> if they did, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So like, but that's through a lot of work with my 12-step program and my sponsor to, to realize that. Because I, I had a big resentment against my mom for a really long time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I kind of got started, like, it, with drugs kind of late in life almost. Um, you know, outside of, like, the abuse and, and all that, like, I had a, I had a good childhood. You know, I, I did. I, like, I always had a roof over my head. I always had clothes. always had food. We went on a vacation every summer. You know, like, it was not a terrible childhood. I went to college. I played lacrosse. I went, my college experience, I tell people, was a four-month-long $9,000 party. Mm. I didn't go to class. I majored in, you know, lacrosse, partying, and women. Everything else I didn't care about because, like, this was the first time that I was able to do what I wanted when I wanted. And I was kind of, like, sheltered from drugs. Like, the only thing I knew growing up was, like, drugs are bad. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, why? You know, like, what makes them bad? I had smoked weed for the first time in college at 19. Wow. Yeah, that's so crazy to me because I was smoking like weed so early. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I when I heard you tell your story the first time, I was like, whoa. Yeah. You know? But by the time I was 20, I was sticking a needle in my arm. Mm. Like that's how fast this disease progressed for me. Um, it was Christmas Eve 2010, and uh, I got a letter in the mail, and it was politely asking me not to come back to college. I had called the dean was like, hey, like, no, you don't understand. You know, next semester, I'm really going to try. I'm going to up my GPA. And I'll never forget. He goes, uh, Chris, you don't have a GPA. There's mm-hmm. nothing to raise. You have a 0.0. You didn't go to class. And like, that was the first time I found out what depression was. You know, all my friends are still in college. They're all playing lacrosse, yeah. and, you know, getting the girls and having a good time and all that. And like, now here I am living in my mom's basement, literally living mm-hmm. in my mom's basement, you know? So that's when I, I, kind of started a little heavier on the weed and was like, okay, you know, this makes me feel, not feel actually, makes me mm-hmm. not feel like how I feel now. And then I kind of developed this attitude of like, well, fuck it, I'll try it. Hey, do you want to do this? I'll try it. Do you want to do this? I'll try it. Uh, and then I broke my ankle. They gave me, I don't remember if it was Perks or Vicodin, but it doesn't really it matter. Opiate. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was an opiate. And like, dude, that was it. That was it. Off to the races from there. I worked in the restaurant industry. For anybody that's worked in the restaurant industry, you make cash every day. Yeah, it's every, the best. It's every day, if man. You're using it. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. You know, that's why. Like, I, I think I've said it on the podcast before. Like, when people fuck up my food, like, dude, I don't care. I know, like, those people are on drugs. <laughs> like, I've I've fucked up so many orders and like broken plates and like what, like, dude, I just know that the service industry has. Uh, and, and I know not everybody, but I do know there's like a big population of like. Of people that, you know what, like, that's just how they live their life. Because a lot of them have been using hard for, like, 20 years. Yeah. Hardcore. And um, so I'm actually still in the service industry clean. Mm -hmm. I kind of have that same attitude with coworkers where I'm like, all right, well, half of them are are hungover from yesterday. The Mm -hmm. other half are high right now. So, but, yeah, so, like, working in the restaurant industry, making cash every day, I would make, you know, $200 in a night. And then go out and spend two hundred dollars, one ninety. Yeah, you know, I always had to make sure I had enough for cigarettes at the time. Uh-huh. Like that was that was my main my main priority behind the drugs was like, well, if, I'll give you one ninety, but I got to keep something for me because I always need a pack of cigarettes. And 
I had a uh, a pill dealer and I was getting Roxy 30s from him. Mm-hmm. Here's like a really good story of what like addiction is like, okay? Uh, he calls me and he was like, hey, I've got, I don't remember how many pills it was, however many left. I need to get rid of them so I can go get more. I'll give them all to you for 200 bucks. Deal. Come see. I'm at work. I work it was a Saturday. I worked an open to close. I was going to be there from 10 a.m. to midnight. Mm-hmm. I was like, I will make $200. Uh, so he comes, but I didn't have the money on me because obviously the night before I'd spent everything I made, but I knew my register had $200 that was owed to the house at the end of every night. And I said, well, shit, I'm going to be here for 14 hours. Like no big deal. Took all the money out of the register and handed wow. it to him. Went in the bathroom, did however many I did, you know, worked fucked up the whole rest of the day. Yo, it was the slowest Saturday I've ever worked in a restaurant, 9.30, 9.45 at night. And I'm counting my tips and I made like. 140 at this point mm-hmm. and i'm starting to panic like well, how am i going to explain 60 dollars short and then when they say just take it out of your tips to make it right what what am i going to say you know mm-hmm. and then at like you know 11 30 at night this this couple came in and you know being the the good addict that i was i lied and i manipulated and i said oh you know i'm just i'm short of my car payment and i, I didn't even have a car mm-hmm. but like i'm short of my car payment you know i'm I haven't made the money I thought I was going to make today. And then I'm just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm stressed, blah, 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 blah. They're like, well, how short are you? I said, oh, I'm, I'm $35 short. And they handed me 40 bucks. I left work that day with $6. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I had just worked 14 hours and now all the pills are gone too. Cause I had done them throughout my shift and I have $6. I was like, man, what the fuck am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know? But so I called the same pill dealer. I had them for years and I called him and I said, look, man, uh, you know, I need somebody. He goes, I'm out, but I can get heroin. And I was like, no, 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 that stigma, the name, you know, heroin. Oh, no, no, no. And he was like, uh, okay, well, it's cheaper and it's stronger. And that was it. Yeah. You know, and that was it. And then from there, you know, I just went on a. You uh, know, like when I was offered heroin, I remember being like, I remember being dope sick and only having like $30 for like exactly three blues at the time. Mm-hmm. And wow. I remember, um, yeah. $30 for three? Yeah, it was awesome. <sighs> And honestly, I remember when there were seven. But anyways, I remember my friend being like, dude, we could get, you know, heroin. And I remember being like, nah, bro, I, don't, I want this to work. Like, I don't want to, like, risk it on some shit yeah. I've never done before. And I remember he looked at me and goes, bro, it's heroin. <laughs> and I remember being like, because we were buying it from this kid who was, like, known to be kind of, I was like, dude, nah. Like, I'll wait to get what I would need, you know. Mm-hmm. But. I wasn't like, like if I knew that it was going to be stronger and cheaper, I would have definitely did it. I just didn't have extra money to risk it right. on something I hadn't done before because like with pills, you know what you're getting. Exactly. Yeah. And but- I have friends, I had friends who were like, dude, had like eight oxys a day habits that would like snort heroin and be like, dude, don't even feel anything, you know? So, yeah. Because <laughs> the heroin here is also known to be trash. Uh, yeah, I mean, DC yeah. and Baltimore heroin, like, I, I can't, can't say the same uh-huh. for that, you know, but I dude i was so i mean i fought him for like 10 minutes be like no heroin Uh i'm not some junkie yeah and like no dude like you really are but finally when he he's like it's cheaper and it's stronger he was like for what you pay me because the guy i was getting it through Mm -hmm. one blue was 30 dollars. oh it's crazy yeah so it's crazy yeah so he was like you're spending all this money on this he's like you can get what you want feel good and have some money left over Mm -hmm. oh okay like let's do it so yeah, like I I did that for for years, you know, and like I lost jobs, burned bridges, relationships. Were you mainly snorting it at first? The first time I did heroin, I snorted it, and then I was with this girl, and she was like, "I have an extra rig," and I was like, "As long as you don't make me do it." <laughs> and she yeah, was like, "Like as long as you don't shoot yourself up." Yeah, yeah, and you know, between you and me, I have never shot myself up. 
Oh, wow. I, so you're not a drug addict. Correct. Other people did it to me, man. They <laughs> yeah. did it to me. Uh, and I couldn't look. Really? I could. I would always do like always. I have this weird fascination with needles. No, no. I, you know, I, you know, I got a couple tattoos and stuff. It's people, and I hate when people like when I get my blood drawn now. People yeah. are like, you have tattoos? Like, hey, it's so different. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, no, complete opposite, man. Like, uh, and I never did like the stereotypical vein in the arm. Mm -hmm. I always went in my hands. The top of the hand. Because yeah. if I'm, I'm a bartender, dude. If I hit my hand at something at work, mm -hmm. you know, if somebody sees a dot or a bruise on my hand, like. No one's going to question me there. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I would always stick my hand over and then look the other way. I, I, I could not do it myself. Wow. Never. Wow. Never. Even when you're dope sick? Couldn't do it. Oh, my couldn't God. Do it. I, I tried me. one time and I grossed myself out because I didn't know what I was doing because oh I never God. watched either. You oh. know, like I had no <laughs> clue what I was doing. So I oh always man. had somebody else do it for me. Like, I know, like, one time we, we and my girlfriend was living in Arizona at the time, and uh -huh. I flew out to visit her, and we got, like, black tar, and I smoked that. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, so then I kind of went into, like, a little smoking phase. And so, I mean, I've, I've done it every way possible. And then in 2016, you know, my mom, she had come to me. How different really is it from snorting them and shooting it? It's not. I mean, I know that's what like a lot of people have told me. A lot of people have been like, dude, honestly, like, because a lot of, because you have those one people are like, oh, if you're not shooting it, da da da. But then I have friends who are like, bro, a lot of times snorting it would last longer. It, you yeah. would just get like more of that like rush. But when you're like doing it five times a day, like the kind of, you don't even feel anything. I completely agree with that. You know, because like, yeah, like shooting it is literally instant. Mm -hmm. Snorting it's like what, a 10 minute wait. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's really. I never noticed a huge difference. And I was also, because of that, like, I never cared. Because you know what? When I ate pills, they would hit me harder. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you'd be into, like, a hard nod. Mm -hmm. And then you would snort. I'm like, you'd be high, and it would hit you, like, a little faster. But it but wouldn't be, like. That abrupt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, like, that's why I was never, like, I need a rig. Like, mm -hmm. I, okay, you don't have one, whatever. No big deal. I'll just crush it up on this table, and mm -hmm. we're good to go. 2003. 14 i went to like a seven day detox okay um because my mom made me she was like you need help and i was like no i don't she goes do you want to stay here I said yeah of course i do i'll go seven day detox had no interest in staying clean it was literally just a little seven day program at a fairfax county hospital yeah rolled out and i remember looking at my mom and be like i'm cured mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm fine and then 2016 was my first like stay of treatment and again my mom gave me the ultimatum find a place to live or go to rehab Cool. I'll take a 28-day little vacation. And, like, this rehab was so weird, dude. So weird. It was all holistic. They woke us up at 6. Where was it? It was in Vienna, Virginia. Wow. And it was in a house in a neighborhood. Yeah. Like, imagine your neighbor yeah. ran a treatment. They do that in California. It, it was the crazy. Like, I remember we go, they take you to this this building. I'm like, okay, that's, that's normal to mm -hmm. me. That makes sense. It's like an office building. And then they're like, all right, we're going to transport you to the facility. I'm like, well, what is this? Mm -hmm. Like, this is intake. Wow. Oh, shit. Then you literally just go to some random neighborhood in Vienna, mm -hmm. and, you know, the houses are really nice, and you're like, oh, wow. This, and you just pull into a driveway, yeah. and I go, why are we here? Like, this is this is it. Um, but it was all holistic. Woke us up at 6 a.m. to do yoga every day. Oh, my God. Um, you know, we had to do meditation and, and all. And it, for me, as somebody who had no experience with that, I was like, what the fuck? Where yeah, am I? You know. It. Yeah. Um. Every Monday we got a massage, which was nice. Mm -hmm. But then we did acupuncture, and I'm like, Yo, I have a problem sticking myself with needles. Why are you sticking me with more needles? Mm -hmm. And I would, I thought it was just the craziest thing in the world. And again, I didn't want to be clean. I just didn't want to do heroin anymore, and I didn't. 
during that little four year stretch, dude, like I did everything else. I would do Coke, even though I hated uppers, mm-hmm. you know, like I did anything I could to not feel like Chris. Cause I hated the way I felt. I hated myself, you know, like my younger brother, he's five years younger than me and he is wildly more successful than mm-hmm. I am. And like, I struggled with that all through my twenties. I'm like this 23 year old kid is working his way up like a corporate ladder and i've been a bartender at the same restaurant this whole time Mm -hmm. or i've gotten fired and then gotten another bartending job and then another bartending job you know i don't know man like i i really i hated myself and i just didn't want to feel yeah and a lot of times people don't realize that like that's half of like the addiction is like you know i tell people like dude getting clean isn't just like putting drugs down like even if you put all the drugs down or they took drugs off the face of the earth it's like for years you fucked up your life. You have such little confidence because like like when you keep your word, you have confidence. But it's like when you're a drug addict, every day you're like, I'm not going to do this. And you do this. <laughs> every week you're like, well, this time I'm only going to do this. And then you don't. You even say like, I'm going to buy 20 pills and what, ration them out. You can't even do that. <laughs> so so like you just end up being like, you can't trust yourself. You just think you fucking suck at everything. Yeah. You can't do anything right. Other people are reaffirming this, you know yeah, what I mean? Like you're a piece and, of shit. And you're a piece of shit, you're garbage. And like whatever they say, you're repeating it to yourself all day mm-hmm. long. This goes on for years. You take drugs out of the equation, you know, like, dude, I still hated myself. I still had like crazy depression. Mm-hmm. I still felt like I didn't know where I was going in life. I felt like everyone was like ahead of me. And I got clean at 17, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, like I could only imagine what like a 28, 32, 29. 35, 29-year-old mm-hmm. kid feels like you know when they have you know 15 years of this negative pattern because it's like the thinking pattern takes a lot of effort to start pushing it the other way Mm -hmm. so like i always feel like recovery keeps like this pendulum swinging in the right way yeah positive and like when you work steps and you go to meetings and you talk to other addicts and you read the literature and and you're doing positive things and you're doing your your yoga or your positive affirmations in the mirror you're keeping the pendulum swinging yeah And then, like, once you stop doing those things, it starts going the other way. Welcome to the Genesis House powered by the United Recovery Project. Located in sunny South Florida, we offer drug and alcohol addiction treatment, as well as a major focus on dual diagnosis. Our addiction therapy programs include behavioral therapy, 12-step facilitation, psychotherapy, life skills training, and more. At our facility, you can expect a low client-to-staff ratio, daily group therapy, weekly one-on-one therapy sessions, and luxury amenities such as volleyball, basketball, pool, chiropractor, personal trainer, yoga, massage therapy, and more. Contact the United Recovery Project today and let's create a better tomorrow. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Dude, it, it feels so good to like walk into work and know that no one's going to fire me for being fucked up last night. Yeah. You know, it feels good to not have to wake up and look and 
look through my phone and be like, who did I text? Dude, I, one of my first jobs ever was at the mall and I worked there for a year. And when I quit, I like gave a notice and that was like my last day and like I drove home and I've never given a notice. Yeah. I've never done it before. And on the way home, I said, I never took a day off. <laughs> like I just didn't think about it. I just worked all year and never, I've never asked for a day off. And then I was like, holy shit, bro, when I was using, bro, like every week I had a story, mm -hmm. like fucking throwing up in the back, going home early. Yeah, anything you could. Anything you could. Yeah, and then it's like when you're clean, like, <laughs> that's still kind of just like. It, yeah, it just kind of goes just away. Like a good employee. Right, yeah, it's, it's the weirdest thing ever. But when I got hired, I have those thoughts of like, dude, if these people hire me, they're never going to hire me. Mm -hmm. And then when they hired me, I'm like, these people are retarded, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't believe I got them. Yeah, yeah, believe, jokes on you guys. Yeah, they fell for the same old shit. Yep. Or so, like, after getting out of treatment in 2016, dude, I got out of treatment at like noon, and by 2.30, I had a blunt in my hand. You know, like I did not even try and I didn't want to, you know, like I don't yeah. beat myself up for that because I, I know my truth and my truth is mm -hmm. I didn't want this shit. But again, I was like, oh, just, just got to stay off heroin, you know? Mm -hmm. And then my son was born in uh, 2017. He was born in, in May of 2017, but I didn't know I had a son until August. Mm -hmm. So the girlfriend I'm with now, Ashley, she's incredible. She's amazing. We use together. So neither one of us were always incredible or amazing, you mm -hmm. know, my using it caused her to leave. And uh, I remember she told me she was pregnant and I was like, you're a fucking liar. I was like, you're not actually pregnant. And if you are, it's not mine, which like, yo, we live mm -hmm. together. Like, so she was like, okay. She's like, you won't be a part of his life. Mm -hmm. And like, that really fucked with me because like my dad wasn't a part of my life. And one of the last things my father said to me was if it wasn't for that second bottle of champagne, I never would have fucked your fat pig of a mother and you wouldn't be here. Wow. It's one of the last Did dad things. said that to you? I was 18 years old. Did he die or did he just, no, he just left your, he just I left. No, I stopped. Uh, he'll comment on shit on Facebook now, you know. Um, I took my son to meet him one time mm -hmm. and it was a bad experience and like that was it, you know. Um, Is but he an addict? He won't tell you that. Mm -hmm. So she was like, you just won't be a part of his life. And I was like, give me a DNA test and I'll, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. Then she just disappeared. I mm -hmm. didn't know what happened to her. And honestly, I didn't really care. You know, mm -hmm. that's one less responsibility. And then in August of, of 2017, she reached out to me and she goes, I want you to sign over your parental rights. And I was like, no, I want a DNA test. If he's mm -hmm. mine, I'll, I'll step up. Cause yo, like I always wanted to be a dad. So we got the DNA test and I remember exactly where it was. I was sitting at a bar and the email came through and my mom's next to me. And she's like, this email is going to change your life. I said, okay. Open it up, says, Christopher, it is greater than 99.9% .9 likely that Lucas is your child. Wow. I was like, oh, shit. I look at my mom. I go, I have a kid. That 0.1%, though. No, <laughs> you never know. No, I'll show you a picture after this. And there's no denying that kid. He looks just oh, like cool. me. Uh, no, I know. I, I love him to death, man. He's, he's, he's the best six-year-old out there. And then I thought that. I was like, yo, this is it. This mm -hmm. is what's going to get me clean. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step up. I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be a father. And like. You know, the, the truth of the matter is like, you know, like I straight up didn't, you know, my son would be in the back seat in a car seat riding with me to trap houses. Mm. In 2020, me, my girlfriend, my son lived in a townhouse with seven other people. And it was a three bedroom townhouse with a, like a little mini office that we converted into a bedroom. And all of us were addicts with the exception of my six year old mm -hmm. and the dog. The dog didn't do drugs to my knowledge. <laughs> um, I remember coming home. It wasn't work because it was COVID. So I don't know where. I was probably going to go pick up, honestly. Mm -hmm. I get home and my son walks up to me and he hands me a bowl. And he goes, here's your medicine, daddy. 
like marijuana bowl? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. He was like, "Here's here's your medicine, Daddy." And I looked at Ashley, and she goes, "He found it." I didn't know what to tell him. I told him, "It's your medicine." Wow. And dude, like, I felt like the biggest piece of shit in the world for thirty seconds until I went into the bathroom and crushed up what I had, and, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I relapsed on heroin during COVID. I don't like saying relapse because I was using everything else. I started doing heroin again. It's probably more accurate. And I would nod out on the balcony, smoking cigarettes. All Every pair of of pants that I owned from 2011 Mm -hmm. until until 2021 had holes in them Mm -hmm. from nodding out with cigarettes. And one of the, the roommates, they pulled me aside and they were like, you're, we all party and stuff, but like, you're really fucked up. And I was like, no, 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 I just I, I drank a lot, whatever, whatever. Yeah, you know, you're a bad addict if you get kicked out of a house of addicts, Yeah, you know? And they finally came to me and they were like, of course, because I'm an addict, I lied. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm sad. Ashley went to go to New Jersey and she took Lucas and I miss him. And I I, I made a lapse in judgment and I, I came clean to using the heroin. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, I go, I'm just, I'm sad. Me, you know, me and Ashley have been fighting and this and that. And I'm stressed out about COVID. I'm like, just trying to get mm-hmm. anything I could. And they were like, okay, you know, if we catch you doing it again, you got to go. Two days later, catch me doing it again. I said, all right, you have to be out in 30 days. So I call my mom and I go, mom, this house is unsafe for my son. He shouldn't be here, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. Mom lets me come back in. She says, Ashley can't come. It's so, so funny because like when I deal with addicts that like their parents are like, oh, the, the, when a parent tells me like their son or daughter's story, I'm just like, so much bullshit. It is. <laughs> so, it, it, so, but that's how we are. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, we're so manipulative and like flip the whole thing against everyone else. And it's like so fucked up. Bro, I used to like scream at my parents like, you're the reason why I use. <laughs> I fucking hate you. Had the worst childhood ever. If you ask my mom, she'll tell you that it's not my fault that other people made me do it. Yeah. My yeah. mom would be like, my son would never. Oh, that's crazy. And yeah, I mean, there's... A lot of bad blood between my mom and my girlfriend still to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're working on that. You know, time heals everything. That's one thing I've definitely learned mm-hmm. in, in two years. Yeah, so mom lets me move back in. Ashley can't come because of past and, and everything. And, you know, I, I, now I have to go back to hiding everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Like, my mom was like, you can't drink because you have to come home and you have to take care of your child. And then February 9th, 2021 is my rock bottom. Those are, you know, there's probably like a handful of dates dates specific dates that i'll never forget son's birthday my birthday girlfriend's birthday mom's birthday clean date and my rock bottom and it was february 9th 2021 gone out the night before was feeling kind of rough when i got home and my mom just started like yelling at me because i'm a piece of shit at this time point and i, mm-hmm. I go off similar like I, like I started yelling at her i'm like you're the just like you said man i was like you're the reason i'm doing this i, I can't stand living with you and my son's here and i'm a loser and i live with my mom and i have a child why don't you leave my house and i was like i don't want to fucking be here anyway mm-hmm. slam the door so i decided to go to the bar spent all day there and then um ashley was going to come and pick me up and we were going to pick Lucas up and go to her family's house for the weekend. Get to my mom's house, and I knock on the door, and she won't answer. And she goes, I'm not letting you near your son. And I said, if you don't open this door, I'm going to kick it in. And I did. I kicked in the front door to my mother's house. And in Virginia, because I kicked the door, the door is an extension of myself. When I kicked the door, it hit my mom in the face, split her open. I assaulted my mother. Wow. Yeah. Another thing that you should know about Virginia is in February, it's cold. I run upstairs and grab my son out of the bath, dripping wet, wrap him in a towel, push my mother out of my way, take him outside in the cold, snow on the ground, put him in the backseat of of my girlfriend's car, and I say, you need to get out of here because I'm going to jail. 
she takes off. I turn back, flip my mom off, and I say, fuck you. You'll never see me or him again. Mm. Go back to the bar. Same bar I was at all day. Walk in, order a drink, see the cops come in, like turn in like through like the window, you know? And uh, I look at the bartender. I go, I need to pay because that's my ride. Cop comes in. He's like, are you Christopher Opie? I'm like, yeah, I am. He goes, all right, I need you to come outside with me. And I was like, what, you don't want to do it in here? And he goes, I'd rather not disturb these people enjoying their dinner. They didn't make a mistake. You did. So he takes me outside. And then cop kind of starts talking slick. And he's like, you like to beat women, this and that. So I thought it'd be a really good idea to headbutt a cop. It was not a good idea. So they, Are you like wasted at this point? <laughs> shit face, dude. Like hammered. I can't even tell you how much. Because like that day was all alcohol. Mm-hmm. And like, yo, like my worst decisions in life were made on alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's why like when you know, alcohol is a drug, like, yeah, absolutely yeah. it is. Like, you know, when I was on dope, dude, I just want to sit on the couch and not out. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm drinking, like I want to drive, I want to go do something. I want to, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, that's where it gets mm-hmm. dangerous. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I go to jail, I get out of jail. Of course, my phone's dead and I have no money. And I end up walking six miles from the jail to my cousin's house. And I knock on his door and he's like, what are you doing here? I was like, I just got out of jail. I need help. While I was in jail, my mom had filed um, a restraining order. I was no longer allowed within 500 feet of my mother. And she had also filed for emergency custody. Mm -hmm. And it was granted. And I lost custody of my son. Wow. Yeah. So that was February 9th. My clean date's not until May 4th. From February 9th to May 4th was the worst time of my life. You know, couch surfing, sleeping outside, sleeping in my car. Uh, at one point, I got my tax return back so I could afford a hotel every now and then. But I knew I had to be scarce with my money because I needed to get my shit. And then on May 3rd, my aunt called me out of nowhere, random. Like, you know, now we talk almost, mm-hmm. you know, probably once a week. Uh, but at the time, nobody talked to me. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any mm-hmm. family that fucking cared about me. And my aunt calls me and she goes, Chris, how are you doing? And for the first time since I was 19 years old, I told the truth. I don't want to live anymore. Yeah, and it's like, man, I always tell people, like, dude, you got to be persistent when you're trying to help people. Like, you don't have to force them to do anything, but you just want to check in and check in and check Mm -hmm. in and check in and, like, not enable them. Don't give them money. Don't give them a place to stay. Just, like, keep poking the bear because you'll find that window of desperation where they're just, like, fucking dope sick, don't have shit going on. And, like, when you say, like, what's up, they're just going to burst out crying and then— if you offer to go to treatment, they're going to say, I'll fucking do anything. So, like, that's exactly what happened was, like, I, she said, how are you? Not good. And let it out. My aunt doesn't know this. And I don't think I'll probably ever tell her because I don't think there's any added value in it. But I had been on the phone with uh, my cousin before she called. And I called him. I said, hey, man, uh, me and a couple of my friends want to go to the shooting range. Can I borrow your gun? My cousin said, yeah, because he's not going to say no to me. I mean, he's my cousin's my best friend. He wouldn't. Have, he didn't say no to me. He's like, "Yeah, come get." It. Like, I, dude, I was driving to my cousin's house to get a gun, and I was not going to go to a shooting range. Mm-hmm. I was done. My aunt called and told her the truth, and she said, "What do you want?" I said, "I need help." She said, "Where are you?" I said, "I'm on the side of Route Seven, headed to Ashburn." And she goes, "Turn around and go back to Sterling. I don't care where you go. Just go back to Sterling, which is where I'm from, Sterling." She goes, "Just go back to Sterling, and there's an airport, Dulles Airport, three miles from there." So like 15 minutes later, she calls me and she goes, how quickly can you get to the airport? And I go, I can be there in 15 minutes. She goes, good, your flight leaves in an hour, go. So where am I going? She goes, just call me when you get to the airport. And I said, all right. So I, I had parked my, I, had, I bought a car. It was a totaled car, but I bought it for 600 bucks so I'd have a, a place to sleep in. Mm-hmm. 
uh, with my tax returns. And I, I left it where it was, got an Uber, went to the airport. My aunt loves this part of the story. I call her. I'm like, this line's not moving. I'm getting out. I'm fucking leaving. <laughs> and she goes, look up and tell me where you are. And I look up and I go, I'm in fucking Turkish Airlines. And she goes, no, that's not where you need to be. Can you find somebody who works there and help you? Still to this day, dude, I have no idea how I made it through that airport. I didn't have my ID. I did, but I was so fucked up. I thought it was where it should have been in my mm -hmm. wallet, and it was somewhere else. So I just told him, I said, I don't have an ID. And, like, I don't know how I got through the airport. Yeah, they changed the law recently, I think, where you need, like, an ID. But you could fly, like, twice a year with no ID. Really? Yeah. And they would just, like, verify that you knew your date of birth to know you're not stealing someone's ticket. I and then they so, would let you go. I was so fucked up, dude. I couldn't tell you anything about it. I, could, I, I don't remember. I remember I had a layover in Atlanta. And I land in Atlanta and I get off and there's a TGI Fridays right in front of me. And I'm like, last drink. I knew I was going to treatment, but nobody told me. I was, mm -hmm. going, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, my aunt didn't say, okay, well, we found a rehab for you in Florida. This, yeah, like, yeah. no, it was go to the airport. You're flying to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, you like, yeah. You know, when my parents sent me to like military school. It was like the same thing. They didn't tell you, but I knew I was going, but like, I knew like I had fucked up so bad. I didn't. I knew we weren't going to Disney and we're packing my bags and we're going on a four hour drive after I just like fucked up for the 10th time, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And uh, so I walk over to CGI Fridays. I'm like, can I get a drink? They go, we just did last call. With the knowledge I have now, that's my higher power in action. Mm -hmm. Doing for me what I couldn't do for myself because I would have drank. And if I would have drank, I probably wouldn't have got on the layover. Well, then the layover, you know, I couldn't leave, but I wanted to smoke cigarettes. I smoked cigarettes in the Atlanta airport bathroom. Mm -hmm. And like some dude walked in and I'm like, what say something oh like not even in the stall oh, hiding it. oh no dude right in the sink ashen in the sink yeah. didn't even care and i was like what say something because you can't be in here and i was like you're gonna make me leave that back into like a blackout you know and i like i've just very like little pieces i remember uh finally mm -hmm. get to fort lauderdale they get me to treatment so it'd been 13 hours since i left to when i got to intake mm -hmm. i still blew over double the legal limit 13 hours, no drinks, nothing, you know? And then I remember like leaving intake and then like group starts in an hour. You can either go to sleep because it's your first day or you can go to group. Well, I hadn't slept without drugs and alcohol for years at this point. So I was like, I, I'm not going to bed. And say, so hand me a black sweatpants, black shirt, and I go do an outdoor group mm -hmm. in May in Florida when I'm not from here. Yeah. Bro, I was sweating, sweating. like yeah. just... I'm like, I can't fucking move. Like, I can't. I, you guys, they wanted us to, like, follow this string. And I don't even remember the group. Mm -hmm. Like, but I just remember being like, I don't ever want to feel like this again. And even when I got to treatment, dude, like, I wasn't convinced that I wanted this. Yeah. I knew I still had a bottle of something mm -hmm. in my car. Back That's in what Virginia. I tell people. A lot of times people are like, oh, well, he doesn't want to stay clean. Like, he doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't sure if I really wanted to stay clean for, like, two years. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I was still, like, uh, you know, like, I knew I probably should. But I wasn't, like, a thousand percent. Like, it wasn't a hill I was going to die on. I just knew, like, yeah. things using just sounded dumb for right now mm -hmm. because, like, I had fucked it up. Yep. I had nothing else to lose. And then I thought that I would probably just relapse anyways, but yeah. I might as well just try. And then like, like no one like thinks they're going to be a drug addict. Right. Like no one wants to be a drug no. addict. When you try drugs, no one's like, hey, before you try this, are you, are you like willing to be a drug addict for the next 10 years? You know, you're like, <laughs> no, it just kind of like happens. It does. It's one 
bad decision at a time. Mm-hmm. And like staying clean is one good, good decision. decision at a time. Absolutely. And it's like you don't even need to want the result. The result happens. Yep. When I was using, we look up, you know, I remember looking in the mirror. I'm like, well, what the fuck happened? Mm-hmm. And then like one day I had five years clean. I looked in the mirror and I was like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> you know, it's like the same. It's the it's, same thing. It is. Uh, but I felt exactly how you just described, you know, like using sounds pretty bad right now. And like, but I, part of me also was like, well, I did that 28 days back in 20, 2016. My mom will let me back in, mm-hmm. you know? And then I remember it was my, I, was, I had nine days clean. And I was still waiting on a court date for kicking in the door to my mom's mm-hmm. house. The gifts of recovery showed up like pretty quick. You know, nine days I get a phone call and it's my lawyer and he goes, uh, you no longer have any jail time over your head. The judges waived your your jail sentence um, because you're in treatment. Wow. And I was like, yo, that's nine days. Mm-hmm. What's well, nine months, you know? Yeah. And then like, I was like, if I'm going to be here, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Yeah. When you start thinking like that, when you start like, counting the days and the months and you're like well if this is happening at three months what could happen at six months and i still do two years yeah i still do that it's crazy like when i see people who tell me how good they're doing because they got two or three years i'm like dude just wait till Mm. five years right you know and it's like people like you and people like carl that because it compounds going with because it compounds Mm -hmm. so it's like everything in life compounds you know so it's like when you're just on that roll you get to this point where you just like peak Mm -hmm. and like you just you know, because in the beginning, your first couple of years, it's like slow progress. There becomes a point where you start taking leaps and strides, mm-hmm. and it all starts working together. And like, dude, I don't want to miss that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I don't want to miss that. And then stuff all. happens with your family that you never thought would happen. Stuff ha- People in your childhood start reaching out to you about getting clean. The first time yeah. that happened to me, it's dude, crazy. It's so like because you don't think about it. You don't no. even think. You're so self-centered. You're like, I want to get clean. I want to get clean. And then when someone else Mm -hmm. from your childhood asks you to get clean and you help them get clean and then you watch them get clean, it's crazy. It's it's so insane. Like the people that, you know, because like I'm pretty vocal about my my recovery Mm -hmm. on um, social media. Social media, yeah. yeah. I've had teachers reach out and be like, we always knew you could do it. You know, we always always Mm -hmm. believed in you and this and that. And then like I had a friend who... When I got 18 months, messaged me on on Facebook and was like, hey, uh, I just want you to know, like, I've been following you since you went down to Florida. I'm coming up on six months. And I was like, dude, like, that's wow. nuts. You know, he goes, I, I, I'm I'm not talking about it because I don't think I can do it. And I was like, you are doing it. Yeah. You're actively doing it. Yeah, a lot of people, not everyone is, like, real vocal about recovery or, like, they don't want to, like, jinx it or... I understand that too because mm-hmm. then you have people that like get clean and they're like, yeah, recovery. And then like they use, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like they're doing it more for show. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, you know, they just want to like prove it and not, you know, walk it, not talk it. Like, milestones yeah, only. Yeah, for milestones me. only. Yeah. I yeah, know. I won't like, I don't knock anybody that it is. Nah, bro, because it's true. Because I have a friend, uh, one of my close friends, man. He, uh, we met on Instagram. He was like a ruthless heroin addict, and I used to like follow his. Inst- He's like shooting heroin on Instagram and stuff. Oh wow, crazy, wow. yeah. And I had him on the podcast. A couple months clean, he was like, you know, getting followers on Instagram about recovery, and he was posting his story, and and he got really popular on social media by being like a recovering addict, and he had like a couple years clean, and he was like, dude, it was just like using where like I was chasing getting likes on Instagram, yeah. and like. This one time I had saw a cool like quote and I saw that it got a lot of likes and I screenshot it and I posted it and I didn't even read it. And then he's like, that's when I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. 
And he ended up like stopped going to meetings and like was drinking for a little bit, but like now he's back. That's awesome. But it's like you see people that um like they become the teacher before they're the student. I, and I, you want to be the student for as mm-hmm. forever, to be honest yeah. with you. And there's there's like a few people that are on social media that are genuine about mm-hmm. it. And then there's a few people, like you said, that they're doing it for show. Mm-hmm. You know, like um yeah, and then so I, I made the decision to stay in Florida because I had realized like nothing in Virginia was left for me. But I had to make that decision by leaving my son up there. My mom has custody of my son still to this day. I can't be a father. I can't be a son. I can't be a boyfriend. I can't be a friend mm-hmm. if I don't take care of me first. And like, yo, dude, like that was one of the toughest decisions ever. Like even yeah. harder than than treatment. Like mm-hmm. I can go back home and probably move back in with my mom. Maybe, maybe not. I'll never know. Uh, but like I could probably move back in with my mom. I could be there with my son every day. But like people, places, and things, right? Yeah, man. And like, dude, honestly, I see so many people not make that decision. And like, you know, I kind of like shake my head. And like a lot of people, it's so hard for them. And I understand sometimes you got to like give up everything for two years so you can keep everything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like you got to just grind and focus on yourself and like let someone else take care of your kid for a couple years because it's like, what's the alternative? Like overdosing and dying and not being there ever? Ever. It's about like the next... 40 birthdays you want to be exactly. at not like oh i need to make it to my kid's second birthday right and it's like dude i know that's important but like you need, if your kid could i always tell people like dude if your kid could talk he would tell you to stay mm-hmm. and it's it's getting a little tougher now with him getting a little older like asking questions and stuff you know mm-hmm. um because I'm, I'm not quite ready he's he's six i'm not talking to him about mm-hmm. drugs when he's six years old i'm mm-hmm. not but like you know i just i told him i said look i go daddy wants to make sure i'm a perfect version of daddy before i can get you back Mm-hmm. You know, and like me and my mom have had the conversation about like what she expects of me before she she's willing to to hand over custody and stuff. But like, yo, dude, because of of the twelve step program and the things that I've learned watching the people, you know, with more time than me, my mom's eligible for retirement in February and wants to move to South Florida. Wow! And she would bring my son. That's so cool. You know, like it's it's these little things. Like I was on probation all throughout my twenties. Wasn't allowed to leave the county. Mm-hmm. I left the country last year. That's cool. You know, like I was able to go to, to London, Portugal, and Italy. I was gone oh, wow. for, for 12 days, you know. Um, wow, that's crazy. I've never been there. Yeah, it was it was an insane cool. experience. You know, I w- took my son to Disney World last year mm-hmm. for his birthday. Um, you know, I told you my cousin, he had recently passed away from an overdose. Wow. And um, Your cousin who's your best friend? Not that cousin. A different cousin. A different cousin. And um, he lived in Orlando, and me and him always supported each other because when he would try to get mm-hmm. clean, I was using, and when I would try to get clean, he was using. And uh, but this most recent time on on May fourth, when I celebrated two years, he texted me and goes, "Congratulations on two years! I just celebrated five months." So that was May fourth, May twenty third. He's 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 gone. Wow. You know, but like because of this program, you know, like I was able to fly up, stay a whole week up north with my family, mm-hmm. and my family asked me to read something at his funeral. Yeah. My family asked me to be a pallbearer, you know, like two years ago, nobody was asking me to do that. Mm-hmm. Nobody was asking me to grab a beer with them even mm-hmm. like, you know, I got kicked out of a house of a bunch of addicts because I was an addict. Yeah. And like now, like my family wants me around for things, you know, mm-hmm. me, my mom, my girlfriend, my son were, and my brother were all going on a vacation in August together. We're all going to Myrtle Beach for, for a week together. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's these things that like really keep me going and continuing on to this this journey. And again, like you said, man, you know, you, you're going to hit that point where you're, you're making like leaps and bounds. And like, I already think that the things I'm accomplishing are like, huge. Yeah, beyond anything. And yeah. so, um, yeah. So like people ask me like, oh, did you ever think you would have this or this would be that? And I was like, bro, like you understand is that like when I first got clean, 
I remember I c- broke down crying when this happened to me. I was at the this job at the mall, and I picked up my paycheck. And when I got my paycheck, I folded it and went to put it in my wallet. The paycheck from two weeks before was still in there, and I started crying. That's never happened. Wow. Like, like dude, I used to get my check and, like, run to the check cashing <laughs> store, pay the fee. Mm-hmm. And, like, so I've been, like, in an amazement, like, unbelief. Yeah state for 15 years yeah you know like i still think this is crazy i was i went out to eat with some people or i was gonna go eat out eat with them but i had ordered food and this kid was like what are you too good to go to denny's and i remember being like because he doesn't know me you know what i mean he just felt mm-hmm. like i didn't want to eat at denny's and i was just like dude i'll fucking panhandle right now <laughs> off the side of the, Jokes I'll, on you, I'll fucking eat garbage out of the trash <laughs> yeah. right, right yeah. now you know but it's because like a lot of people don't see that other side of me where like i'm like using feels Either like really far away or like yesterday. Yeah. There are things that will happen where I feel like just yesterday I was smoking crack Mm -hmm. and things will happen where like I can't even imagine going back to it being, you know, strung out on the street right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, dude, like I I remember when I first got down here and somebody said, like, you need to remember your last day using Mm because if you don't remember it, then it hasn't happened yet. I'll never forget May 3rd Mm -hmm. going into May 4th and I'll never forget February 9th. Like those, those dates, man, like, they're so important to me because I don't ever want to be that person again. Like yeah. my mom can call me for advice. My little brother, like I can finally be a big brother. You know, like my little brother, yeah, he's more successful than me and stuff. And like that, that does not bother me anymore because it's not a race. Financially. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, someone's more successful. I would say it's harder to overcome. You know what I mean? Oh, so I, it's yeah, like, absolutely. And, and like my brother said that to me. Um, yeah. We flew up to Orlando on Tuesday to go to my cousin's apartment, like clean some stuff out. Mm-hmm. And his two sisters flew down from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So it was like the cousins minus my cousin Sean who had, who had passed away. They were like asking me stuff. like not And not just like drug, drug related yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? They were like, well, how do we get his internet shut off? How do we get a, a stop to his mail? How do we do that? And I was like, you guys stop. Like, let me, I even told him my exact words were, if I can take 1% of the pain away from you, I will, mm-hmm. you know? So like I called his internet company. I called the the, mail, the post office. I went to the post office and, you know, had the mail forwarded to my aunt and uncle in Pennsylvania. And like, I was able to show up and, and like be there, mm-hmm. you know? But like one thing like about at his funeral, my family hugged me different. They looked at me different, yeah. you know, and it was one of those situations where I was like using felt really close because everybody's mm-hmm. kind of like side eyeing me. And and then finally one family member goes, uh, do you know how much pressure is on you right now? The whole family is wondering what you're going to do with this. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and I go, I have two years clean. I have a program and I just lost my cousin. Mm-hmm. Using's not even in my thought process right now. Yeah, I always say, like, you know, your first year clean and prior, you'll probably use on the bad days. And after a year, you'll probably use on good days. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like when bad shit happens after you've been clean for a year, you kind of just, you're so responsible at that point that you're just doing what you need to do. Right. It's actually when the coast is clear and things are going good that people think they can step away. Make it it work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I said at the beginning, man, like this journey has been absolutely incredible and Mm -hmm. like, uh, one of my friends down here, he 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 says like, I, I asked him, I go, why why do you stay clean? And he goes, uh, well, I know what using is like. I don't know what being clean will bring, and mm-hmm. I have fe- uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. So if I use, I won't know what the awesome things that being clean is gonna bring yeah. me. Oh yeah. And like that's awesome because mm-hmm. 
if this is what two years looks like, man, wait till I get to like 15. Yeah. You know, wait till I get to, to three years even. Yeah. The amazing moments, like you said, just they don't stop. I've mm -hmm. been in amazement for 800 days now. Yeah. And it's a great feeling. Oh, yeah. Hey, well, I want to appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, man. Thank you, Chris. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.